0: I think it's got to be one of the worst workplace blunders uh, in recent history. The date is uh, January 12th, uh, 2018. It was a Saturday that year, and millions of Hawaiians awake to the following alert Ballistic missile inbound. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. Maybe you, uh, maybe you remember the news stories a few years ago about that. And as you can probably imagine, it was quite an ordeal. I thought I was going to die. That's what uh, one woman tells a reporter after this event. That and uh, my first instinct was to gather my family as uh, together we pondered what might just be the final moments of our lives You know, she wasn't uh, alone uh, that Saturday morning. Uh, We were on the rise. North Korea was in the news. And and just a month earlier, uh, Hawaii had begun regularly testing their air raid sirens, something they hadn't done uh, since the Cold War had concluded. But it turns out that as uh, Hawaiians were panicking and seeking shelter, uh, Hawaiian officials were trying to undo that message. We have uh, sirens, Hawaii's governor uh, later tells the press. We have uh, cell phones, we have internet and social media mechanisms, but we actually had no way of sending an automated false alarm. And so it takes 38 minutes that Saturday morning, 38 minutes where people are absolutely afraid uh, to pull that alert back in. And the days and weeks uh, that follow this event, uh, there's an investigation that reveals exactly what happens. You see, at at 8 o'clock that morning, there's a a shift change at Hawaii's emergency alert agency, and so a few people head home, and uh, a few people show up to work, and and just after that shift change, a call comes in on the Pacific Command's secure line, and you see uh, what happens next is the first of two blunders that explains what happens the person who answers that call, he picks up the phone instead of turning on the speaker. And so uh, the guy who's sitting next to him doesn't hear the words, exercise, exercise, exercise. As you can probably imagine, it's a a terrifying thing uh, hearing those words. I mean, an attack inbound just about to happen. And this guy, he doesn't waste any time. Uh, But he also... Uh, doesn't get verification which is the second of two blunders that leads to this event so he he turns to his computer and he sends out that message about a ballistic missile inbound an attack that's just about to happen that people need to seek shelter because it's not a drill you see that's exactly what this was it was a drill you know, the event uh, could have been so easily avoided, a fact that ultimately cost this guy his job. But what I find really fascinating is instead how this man reflects on these events a couple of weeks later. You see, he says, I was devastated. I felt sick. It was, it was like a body blow. And behind it all, you can hear this man who's essentially saying it was my fault. I messed up, and now I'm paying the price for everything that happened. You see, that brings us uh, to the theme in today's reading, and quite honestly, the theme that we encounter every single year throughout the season of Lent, and that theme is the theme of, of reconciliation, of what it looks like, uh, by God's grace, to put things back together again, to uh, to look at the broken relationships in our lives and ask you know, what would it mean to mend the hurt? What would it take to heal the pain? What would it involve to, to forgive the person who's harmed you the most? I don't need to tell you uh, that these are, are difficult questions to ask because when you ask them, they're going to take you to, to some of the most difficult places in your life. I mean, when you've been estranged for years, when you've legitimately held a grudge, when you've hurt someone, or when someone has hurt you, it's never easy to put things back together again. Yet the promise uh, that we hear in today's reading, the promise that Christ makes to us today, is that it is never too late for us that by God's grace and with his help right now waiting for you is the opportunity for a fresh start and a new beginning and all the relationships of your life, including including the kind of relationship that you have with your Lord, your Savior. You see, uh, perhaps nowhere is this played out more powerfully than in the parable of the prodigal son. I mean, it is, uh, it is uh, one of the most famous stories that you hear in all of Scripture. It's one of the most famous stories that you hear even outside of Scripture. You probably know how it goes. Uh, we just heard it a moment ago. Carly uh, retold it for us. It's printed in your bulletin. There's a man who has two sons. And what we learn is that the younger son... Uh, he demands his inheritance early. And as Carly told us, this is essentially saying to his father, I wish you were dead. But he gets his inheritance and he takes the money and he goes to a far off land and he squanders it on, on wild living. And you can just begin to imagine what this would have looked like. I mean, a guy in his, his late teens, his early to maybe mid-twenties, who's got thousands of dollars at his disposal. And where does he go What does he do? Who is he he spending time with? I mean, you can just begin to imagine. Now, the time passes. We're not entirely sure how long. It's almost like that piece is intentional. And and then we catch up with this man uh, again, only this time we find him at rock bottom. He's out of food, he's out of friends. He's out of options, and this is when the panic attack begins to set in. And, and you can just hear him saying behind all of this, you know, it was, it was my fault. I messed up. Now I'm paying the price for everything that's happened. And I just love the way that Jesus uh, describes it in this parable. Uh, you see, uh, some translations have this uh, younger brother saying that, that he came to his senses as if, uh, as if uh, there was something that he was doing wrong, and then he discovered that he was doing it wrong, and, and now he's about to do something about it. Uh, but, but what I think Jesus is saying here is, you see, the Greek in this text says uh, that this man came to himself. And so I imagine this moment where this younger brother looks around, and he just experiences reality. I mean, he's a guy who's, you know, maybe an hour into work. He's working on this, this farm that's completely uh, beneath him. And, and something happens that triggers the following impression. It's not like this at home. You know, maybe uh, maybe it's an instruction that his boss gives. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's the place that he goes to bed every night. We're not told, but you know, I picture a, a flat place on the ground just over the hill, or, or maybe it's the food that he brings home every night—food that is meant for the pigs. See, it doesn't matter what it is, uh, but the effect it has is the same. This man is there, and he realizes it doesn't have to be this way. you ever thought about uh, or looked at one of the relationships in your life? Thought to yourself, it doesn't have to be this way? See, at some point, uh, the younger brother begins to think about going home. And, and there's another uh, a place in this story where, where I think there's a gap. You know, a gap between the moment that this guy wants to go home and the moment that this guy actually heads home and comes up with those words and meets his father and, and in that gap are these thoughts. Thoughts where I picture this young man saying to himself, you know, I I told my dad off. Or or thoughts where um where he thinks, you know, my actions, my behavior said to him, I wish he was dead. Or, or thoughts like, you know, there's no way that after all of that, that my dad is actually going to take me back. You know, even if he does, even if he does welcome me home, I'm not sure that I can handle I mean, all of the pain, all of the hurt, all the rejection, I'm not sure that I can handle that. You see, while uh, this young man doesn't know the end of the story, uh, the good news that we all know, the good news that we hear today, the end of the story... And quite honestly, the promise that Jesus makes to us is that we don't have to live in this gap. We don't have to live in the gap of of fear and doubt, anger, pride, hurt, and frustration. We we don't have to live in this gap because of Christ's forgiveness. Forgiveness uh, for the things that make us hesitate. Forgiveness for the things that would get in our way. Forgiveness that says to people like you and me on a day like today, there really is the possibility for a different kind of future. Now for just a moment, I want you to consider the following question. What would you do if Jesus was right? I mean, what what hurt would you hope to heal? Uh, what thing would you try to fix? What uh, what thing would you be willing to forgive if you knew that in Jesus you you didn't have to live in that gap anymore, and there really was the possibility for a different kind of future? See, maybe it's a, maybe it's a relationship uh, with a family member or a friend. Maybe it's something that happened at school or at work, you know, with a, a boss or a coworker. Maybe it's something uh, that seems impossibly small. And yet, the, the more you think about it, the more you ponder it, the more you live with it, the more you realize that even though it seems impossibly small, it feels impossibly big. You see, whatever it is, uh, long before we are ever called to restore these kinds of relationships in our lives, we are invited by Jesus to believe, to really believe that we don't have to live in that gap anymore. Uh, The gap between uh, wanting a different kind of relationship and and actually doing something about it. Uh, The gap of of fear and doubt, anger, pride, hurt, and frustration. Uh, uh, The gap, the gap that sin creates in our lives. And yet, the gap uh, that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ has powered, uh, has promised to overcome. You see, Jesus invites us to believe that because of his forgiveness, we don't have to live in that gap anymore. You know, as I, I say these words, I realize that it is, uh, it's one thing to say these things, but it's an entirely different thing to actually go out and, and to live that way, to do something about it. I mean, it's, it's one thing to say that these things don't need to control you, uh, But then it's another thing to go out and act on that because you know, broken relationships, they're painful. Maybe it was your fault. Maybe it was their fault. Or or maybe it was both of your faults. Uh, No matter whose fault it is, it's so easy to to get stuck in this place that says, you know, uh, another conversation with this person uh, isn't gonna make things better. Or it's easy to get stuck in the place that says, you know, if I'm really honest with this person, if I tell them right where I'm at, they're just going to misunderstand me. Or or it's easy to get stuck in that place that says, you know, there is no use asking. Because there's no way that they'll forgive me for something like that. You see, it's in places like these uh, that sin seeps in and And, you know, not doing anything, living in that gap, there is a safety there. There's a safety there. But you see, when you live in that gap, it also keeps us from following our Lord. And it also keeps us from experiencing the kind of future uh, that Jesus would have for people like us. And that's why I find this parable, the prodigal son, so incredibly powerful, Because Jesus invites us to hear this story and to imagine the kind of future and the kind of relationships that are possible when Jesus gets involved in our life. Because for the one who died and for the one who rose again on the third day, nothing is impossible. Not for him, not for you, not for me. And so, you know, today Jesus uh, looks at us and he asks, you know, what relationship in your life are you reluctant to change? And he doesn't propose uh, that it's going to be easy. He, he doesn't pretend uh, that the past didn't happen and he doesn't pledge that it'll magically get better, uh, but, but he does promise that in him, you don't have to get stuck in that gap because you know who you are. You're a forgiven child of God, and and when you know who you are, it changes everything about you. Because, you know, maybe your attempts at reconciliation are successful, and if that's the case, then thanks be to God. But maybe your attempts at reconciliation aren't successful, but, but if they aren't, you still know who you are. You are still a forgiven child of God, a forgiven child of God in whom his word and his promise has been at work. And if that's the case, then once again, thanks be to God. Now, it was a, it was a cold and rainy day uh, in Washington, D.C., when President Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, gave his first inaugural address. In many ways, uh, that day, uh, the weather mirrored the nation you see, uh, a depression had taken its toll after four years. The economy was trapped in a downward spiral, and there was this general sense of, of fear and foreboding uh, that hope in the future just wasn't possible. As he uh, begins his speech, uh, the president acknowledges the present situation, and then he speaks these words that are probably familiar to all of us. He says, the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself, you know, all sorts of pastors over the years have probably used this phrase uh, to say something, and this is probably my chance to do just that. I'm convinced that, uh, that something like this is true of us uh, when it comes to reconciliation and the relationships in our lives. Because fear, or perhaps uh, reluctance, if we were to put it better, A reluctance to confront the doubt, the anger, the frustration, the pride, the hurt, the sin that seeps into the gap in our life between uh, wanting a different kind of future and actually experiencing it. That fear, that reluctance is so often the thing that keeps us from the future that God would have for us. A future where, where God mends the hurt, a future where God heals the pain, and, and a future where by his grace and through his love, he offers forgiveness to each and every one of us. Well, that future uh, might just call us to confess and to confront some of the most difficult and painful things in our lives, the promise that Jesus makes today is that it's never too late. Because by his grace and, and with his help, waiting for each and every one of us is a fresh start and, and a new opportunity at all the relationships in our lives, including the kind of relationship that we have with him. So may God bless you as with confidence and courage as you ask these kinds of hard questions, as you acknowledge uh, the hurt and the pain, and as you move out of the gap and into the future uh, that God has for each and every one of us. May God grant it to you for Jesus' sake. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.